talk about the, the church, how the church becomes the influence, right? Um, I, I love talking about the, the power of the church. And I love talking about the church's role in society, uh, especially when we see what's going on in places like Virginia. That's why RCC is so important. It's so important what we want to do, you know, become a multicultural, multi-ethnic church that represents, because if it does not start in the church, the world cannot duplicate it. Come on, they, they, it's impossible, it's impossible. So if, if Sunday mornings remain, still continue to be the most segregated, segregated time during the week, you know, which normally in most churches it is, you know, the blacks are with the blacks, the whites with the whites, the Asian with the Asians, it's just the Indian church has the Indian church, and there's, I have more integration at work you have more integration of cultures and people at work than you do in the church. And so it does not start out there. It has to start here. Come on. That's why what RCC is doing and what we want to do to be, to break that, that chain of racism in our city, it's going to start here. Can I get an amen with that? And so we need you to be a part of this. We need you. We need you to, to help us do that. And so when we see how uh, deep that hate is rooted in, in society today. It, it's heartbreaking to hear it and to see it. And, you know, sin is sin no matter what, right? It, just, it doesn't make a difference how it looks or how it sounds. But, again, our role as a church to have influence as a church is to look like heaven and sound like heaven, amen, and act like heaven, amen. That, that's what we're supposed to do. So, uh, we're going to be talking just a little bit today as an intro on um, how the church becomes the influence. Because right now, and I'm already teaching, all right? So right now, the church doesn't have much influence in society, right? And especially some cities it has more, but in Philadelphia, it's just, you know, it doesn't, you don't feel the presence of the church, right? You don't feel the presence of the church. Uh, some areas and neighborhoods you drive down, there's a church on every block. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of empty churches, big, beautiful buildings all through Philadelphia that are empty, churches that are for sale and empty, and people are actually buying churches, turning them into condos. You know, that, that's, how, that's how bad the situation is, right? Because the church has lost its voice. My God. The church has lost its voice. It's lost its voice uh, because it, it has tried to be someone else or like someone else. But, but guess what? The Holy Spirit is doing something fresh in the body of Christ, where the church will not lose its voice. Amen. And so it starts with you. It starts with us being the church and being that influence. A quote that I love by one of my mentors, uh, Joel, did it cut off? Oh, there it goes. Uh, Joel Kaminsky, who is, I'm trying to get him to come uh, before the year's over. Phenomenal. wrote, written probably like 20 books on uh, churches and church growth. I mean, all kind of things. Phenomenal guy. I'm, we talk about once a month via uh, video, and uh, he's based in California, but a phenomenal guy. And if you've never uh, heard of his name, you want to look him up and get some great books. Um, he wrote this, which I think is amazing, and it's kind of been with me all week. Where there is passion, there will be persistence. And where there is persistence, there will be penetration. I mean, that, that's a phenomenal statement, right? Because when I think of RCC, I want us to be a church that is filled with passion. Because for the assignment that God asks us to do, it's going to take passion to get it done. I mean, does that make sense to you? 
It's going to take passion. If you're not passionate about what your relationship with Christ, your ease into comfort, your ease into comfort. But passion gives you persistence. And so when we were coming back and forth from New York every single Sunday for two and a half years, you know what? It was my passion and raised passion that allowed us to be persistent. You, you, you got to see this. You got to see this. So, 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 so I, I have, you know, I, wanna, I, I have little sympathy for absentees, right? Because, you know, I have z- almost zero, right? Because no one had it rougher than we had it. Nobody, nobody had it rougher than what we had because not only was it just me, Ray and I, we had three kids. And, you know, when we started with Noah, he was, had the, the pacifier in his mouth, right? Y'all remember, come on. You remember, so he grew up here, right? So, 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 so I have zero, 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 zero. I have no passion for that, right? I don't have any passion for that. But, but, but it's my passion for the kingdom and for the city and to see it revived with Jesus, come on, that gave me persistence. And I told the Lord yesterday when I was praying, I said, God, I don't want to be the only passionate person in the church. I need everybody that's a part of RCC to be passionate about their call for Christ and where it's not just religion but it's relationship and if I can move you out of religion into relationship it will bring passion come on there's no passion in religion because you got to meet your quota in religion that's about it but but when you get into relationship man relationship will drive you to do crazy things how many people remember when you was in a crazy relationship And when you was in the wrong relationship and you did some crazy things in a bad relationship, even though you knew it was bad, Rob, you still did crazy things. Right? Why? Because what? Relationship creates passion. And it's not about religion. I want to move you out of religion into relationship. So when you come, man, we're worshiping. I got to calm you down for worship because you're just so passionate about your relationship. Right? And when you got passion, it'll give you persistence and Philly cannot be penetrated without persistence. I'm going to say it again. We cannot penetrate the city without persistence. That means that you don't give up. We don't stop. We keep going because Jesus died for everyone. He loves everybody. So it's important. So this statement, I want you to write it down, take a picture, whatever you got to do. But it's a phenomenal quote that where there is passion, there will be persistence, and where there is persistence, there will be penetration. Amen. And so we're believing God that he's going to cause us to penetrate uh, the city and and make momentum for the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's look at the scripture real quickly. I'm I'm almost there. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I want to use this as just a a, a text basis. Um, You you know, I, I like to teach on the kingdom of God because I do believe, and I, can, I don't have time today to take you through all the scriptures, but in, whenever God was about Dana to change a city or a geographical location, he always gave them a plan of action. He gave them a plan of action. So God does not just tell you, do this, and then you just kind of disappear off the scene. That's not how it goes, right? He gives you a plan of action. So uh, when we talk about passion, persistence, and penetration, uh, it, it is God gives you a plan. When he sent them into the wilderness to build the tabernacle, he gave them instructions on what the size of the tabernacle would be and where to put the altar and where to do this and how to have the fire. God is not a God of just coincidence. He's a God of purpose. 
He's not a God of coincidence. He's a God of purpose. Everything he does is on purpose. Everything he does is on purpose. It is on purpose. So you sitting here today, it's not just because, well, I, my clock went off, so I happened to get up. No, no, that's not how it happened, right? It is, it, you, you are here on purpose, right? It is on purpose that God has you here. So you have to know that you matter that much to God, that he has a plan for your life. I love the scripture, as, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those, here's the highlight, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. I love that scripture. Look at this same scripture in the, uh, in the Living Bible. That is what the scripture means when they say that God made Abraham the father of many nations, right? Here's a guy named Abraham who lived, who came from a home that was heathenistic, but yet God had a plan for the average guy. Didn't come from a wealthy place, but God had a plan for him, right? And God will accept all people in every nation who trust God as Abraham did. And this promise is from God himself, who makes the dead live again and speaks of future events with as, which, with as much certainty as though they were already past. Man, that's good stuff. So God speaks of what's going to happen in your life with such certainty, it's as if it already happened. Like, it's not going to happen. He speaks with such certainty as if it already happened. I mean, that's how precise God is with your life, right? I mean, that's some good stuff. When I read that and I thought about the things that God has spoken over my life, and when you come every Sunday and God is speaking over your life, you can either sit here and let it go in one and out the other, or you can say, that's God speaking to me, right? That's God loving me so much that he's given me this message, and when he speaks, he speaks as if it already happened, because to him, it's already taking place. Come on, because he's at your beginning and your end at the same time. He's God. He's not confined to time moments like we are. He lives outside of time moments. So when he says that you are blessed and you are healed, to him, he sees your healing and your blessing already. It's just up to you to receive it, and when you receive it, you manifest it in time. Somebody say amen. All right. Honestly, that's too much for y'all already. Okay, let me slow it down. Y'all got that look. Like, where he going with this? All right. Uh, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, I, lo I love this scripture because this is, this is, I love every scripture, I guess, right? Uh, Romans told us to, <laughs> to have the faith of God, right? To be like, to, to, to believe God, to call those things that be not as though they were. That's what God does. Ephesians 5 and 1 tells us, therefore, be imitators of God, copy him, follow his example, as well-beloved children imitate their father. So he says to follow God. Be like him. What, what do you think this church would be like if Jesus was here? I mean, physically. I, I mean, he's here, but we need, you know, don't get all deep on me. Physically, if Jesus was, came to RCC every Sunday, this was his church. He said, this is going to be my church. What do you think Jesus would do? Do you think he would just, you know, listen to the message and say, that was good, Pastor Great, that was great, and then go home and we won't see Jesus anymore? until next Sunday, you know, and he doesn't do any kind of nothing all week that his father, he doesn't hear from his father all week. Come on, he's not building a relationship with his father all week. You know, uh, when we read the, the, the Gospels, we're reading the life of Jesus, not the Sundays of Jesus. <laughs> Come on, or the Saturdays of Jesus. We, we are reading the biography of Jesus. 
and what he did every day, habits he built every day in order to build relationship, right? It, 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 it's about building that relationship. And he tells us, he says, be an imitator of God. Be an imitator of God. Like children, imitate their fathers. Imitate them, right? Im look, I mean, I, I, I have three boys that and they're constantly at some different point in time, they're always imitating their dad. Right? Because they have high expectation for their dad. They see the results that their father gets. And I'm always reminding them, I says, I get results because I imitate God. I imitate Christ. And he tells us to be imitators of Jesus. So how would he love? How, I mean, they used to wear the wristband, what would Jesus do? That was just a style. But I mean, it really has a powerful message, right? What would he do in every situation? Imitate him. How would he react? How would he respond to this, right? What are you doing to imitate Jesus? Or are you not moved with compassion like he was? He would see sick people and be moved with compassion. He would see hungry people and be moved with compassion. He would see the hurting people and be moved with compassion. He wants us to be moved with compassion because it creates passion. And passion creates persistence. And persistence allows us to penetrate and do our kingdom assignment. Are you hearing me here, somebody? Somebody say, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you. All right, okay, I'm almost there, all right? Last scripture we're going to look at real quick, last scripture. In the book of Job, you, you should know the scripture by like the back of your hand by now, right? This is our confession scripture, right? And I, I, I just want to break this down because uh, when I was digging into this, Sister Gill, this really blessed me. We say it Sundays, oh, Job 22 and 28, you know how, you know how we do uh, Joel 22, you shall also decree a thing in it. You know, and I'm like, come on, give me some life. Right? This is the word. All right? So let's, let's, let's dig into this because this next chapter and in these next 10 minutes as I spend in this, uh, this next chapter that we're going to go to in our church, uh, it's, it's, if you get on the train, it's, gonna, it, it's not only going to bless our church, but I promise you it's going to bless you. And, and, and the reason why I can say that uh, 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 is because as I'm doing the assignment as, as, as a Christian, right, walking in the pastoral role that God has called me to, in order to be a blessing to a city and a people, my personal life is being blessed because I'm doing my assignments. Come on, you got to get this. It's not because, well, he's the pastor. It's irrelevant. That, that means absolutely nothing because when I first got here, that meant absolutely nothing. No one cared who I was, obviously. In some weeks, I still feel like that. No one cares who I am, right? Uh, I, I mean, I have those moments, right? But, that, but, but my personal life, Michael, is being blessed because I'm being obedient to my assignments. And I need you to get that. It's not because the pastor, oh, of course he's going to be blessed. It means nothing. If I walk outside and say, I'm the pastor, <laughs> they're going to throw a rock at me somewhere. It is, doesn't mean anything. Who cares, right? But the point is, in heaven, I am being obedient to my assignment. And if you get obedient to what God has called you to do, you think you're living a good life now. You haven't begun to dream about what you could do because he could do exceedingly abundantly above all the Bible says that you ask or even think. Right? So get it into your purpose. That's why I'm always talking about getting into your purpose. What is God calling you to do? This church is not just about building people uh, as far as capacity-wise and, and numbers. It's about building people to do their kingdom assignment. Because I can't make your life better in disobedience. Ooh, got quiet, real quiet there. 
Right? No matter how great of a pastor or preacher I am, I can preach till I'm green. I can't make your life better if you're in disobedience to the Word of God. But it's when your life lines up with the Word of God and you say, listen, it's not about me, it's about Him. And if you say it's about Him, it automatically will be about people. If you say it's not about me, it's about Him, and if it's, you say it's about Him, it's going to automatically be about people, your life will line up with the Word of God. Right? So I, I don't want this to be a selfish church. I want this to be a selfless church. Okay? Not a selfish, a selfless church because people need what you have. So he says, let's read this. You shall also decide, I put this in Amplified, decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you. Oh, man, this is going to get good. And the light, Lord, don't preach on me. Come on. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. And the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Okay, so I wrote this statement down that when I was in prayer, God dropped in my heart, that every kingdom model must have a prophetic driver that drives the model, all right? Every kingdom model must have a prophetic driver that drives the model. Now, I don't want to go too deep into that because it's a whole, I mean, you understand the gifts of the church. He gave some pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, you know, to go out and do great things, right? To, they, they were a gift to the body of Christ, right? So there are some people who are pastors, right? There are some people who operate as evangelists in the church, the Bible says. They go out from church to church and they just minister and their gifts and their talents. There's people who are prophets in the church where God gives them uh, the ability to foresee and speak, not psychics. We're not talking about psychics, talking about prophets, <laughs> There's a difference, right? Uh, you know, so, so we talk about those who are apostles. Uh, Bishop Francis has an apostle anointing on him where he has the ability to go and establish churches. That's an apostolic anointing, right? So when we talk about the different gifts in the body of Christ. Now, those are in the church. There are people who are pastors in the marketplace, right? Not just in the four walls of the church. I know people who are saved, love God, and they... The people that they pastor is not a congregation, but they pastor CEOs of large companies. I'm trying to expand your borders a little bit. Uh, uh, there are people that operate uh, as, as prophets in the marketplace, uh, uh, or they operate in Hollywood. We know a pastor that, that, that ministers only to stars. So every A-list star you can think of, he, he, he is their pastor. Now, they don't meet in a building, but he meets with them every week. That's, that's his gifting. That's his anointing. And so what I'm telling you is that uh, uh, um, God allows you to speak things. They are prophetic drivers, right? They're, they're things that are decreed. Uh, when I looked up, I love this. It says, you shall also decide. So the first step in manifesting this scripture is to make a decision, right? A decision, right? So we start out, we have our confessions every week. We're making a decision of what our church is going to be and what it's going to do. You have to do the same thing with your personal life. Ray was cleaning up this week. We're still unpacking boxes. I hate unpacking boxes. We, uh, well, she's still unpacking boxes. Let me just say, uh, we, I don't know what we, she's like, she's looking at me like, we, where are we from? Sorry. She's unpacking boxes. I do try every now and then. But, but, but she found something in one of her, in her Bible, and uh, as she's putting stuff away, and something that we had wrote down, when we wrote down exactly what we wanted in our house, the neighborhood we wanted to live in, and when we looked around, we had exactly what we had written a while ago, before we even did it, right? So, so, so when you decide, you can't decree if you haven't made a decision, right? So, so, so when we speak as a church, 
we've made a decision. When you need to have a decision for your own personal life, come on, you need to go home and stop just saying, I, I hate living here. Well, change it. I, want, I, I need a bigger place. Well, change it. What are you doing? What decision are you making that will empower your decree? Gosh. Nothing frustrates God more than an indecisive believer. He said you're either hot or cold. You're not lukewarm. You can't, you can't, see, I thought I made that up. That's scripture. You, 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 you're either hot or cold. You, you can't be lukewarm, he says. Lukewarm means you're indecisive. You don't know what you want to be. I'm saved today. I'm just, I believe God for finances Monday, Tuesday, I'm broke. You know, it's just like, you know, Thursday, I think I'm healed. Friday, I feel the pain. It's like all over the place, right? He says, you know, you, you, make a decision. Make a decision and stand on it. Even when it's tough, stand on it. When it looks like it has no results, stand on it. You know, we, we, we've made a decision about our marriage. 15 years, we're on our 16th year marriage. We've made a decision that we're not going to get a divorce, ever. Right? That's a decision that we made. And because we decided that, now we can decree that. Come on, you got to get this. We've made a decision that our children are blessed. We decide that as parents, and now we can decree it because we've decided it. We've made a decision that this is going to be a blessed church, Come on, that's going to bless the city. We're going to explode with growth. That's, come on, I don't, I don't need nobody to agree with me. I, I, already, I already decided that as the pastor. Come on, come on. I've already made that decision. So that's why I can decree it because I've already decided it. So many of us, we can't decree because we haven't made a decision yet. You're just living life as whatever happens. It's going to happen. You can't do that. The Bible says decide and decree. Decide and decree. Once you decree, then you are getting that thing in order. You're pulling that thing here. You're speaking those things, he said, that be not as though they were. A decree allows you to speak something that is not as though it were. We saw that already in Romans, right? right? That's why I'm going through all these scriptures to show you that I'm not making this up, right? This is all scripture. But first, you've got to make a decision. This week, as I get ready to close in these couple minutes, I want you to decide. What do you want God to do for your life? What do you want to see God move in? What area are you believing God for? Make a decision and then stand on it by decreeing. Come on. Stand on it by decreeing. Now, you can't <laughs> make a decision to decree. You can't control anybody else, Right? God, I want that to be my boo. And he married. You can't do that, right? That's, you, you, you can't do that. You know, that's not God, right? I mean, I, I don't have to tell you that. I just want to throw it out as a disclaimer. You know, because I had a lady. I was doing a revival one time. Alex, this is funny. I was doing a revival one time, and a lady came up to me and says, um, and shook my hand. Before you came, honey, you know that. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> shook my hand and says, can you pray with me? Can you believe God and fast with me this week? So, you know, I just don't fast, you know, just out of the blue. So I said, what are we praying and believing God for? I believe in God that you're going to be my husband. <laughs> I said, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. I'm not going to miss no meals to pray and believe God so I can be your husband. Because God didn't tell me that, you know. You know, so, so the way Ray wasn't raised, like, if I was there, it would have been on. You know, now, right? So, so, so again, <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, you can't decide and decree on somebody else's actions, Right? You, is it, this is not some hocus-pocus stuff. We're talking about you deciding for yourself what you believe God to do, right? When we decided what we wanted, when we, we got tired of going to houses, we started writing it down what we wanted, and we tucked it away. We, didn't even, we forgot about it. And we didn't look, she didn't find it until this week since the beginning. We said, wow, 
Look at that. God, God even saw our decision on paper. God, you got to get this. He saw our decision. He said, write the vision. Make it plain. Right? He, he saw our decision on paper. You got to make a decision. Make a decision. Stop being so indecisive. Make a decision. It drives me nuts. You know, when we go out with the kids, you know, what do you want? I want, uh, I want, <laughs> the line's long, people behind me. I'm like, yo, it's the same menu every time we come in. It's, it hasn't changed. There's no specials. There's nothing unique about this menu. It's the same thing. What do you want? I, I want, uh, and that goes on for five minutes. And I'm like, Ray's like, oh, just be patient, honey. I'm like, I'm trying, but it's the same thing. I mean, I don't, you know. So when we drive up, if it's a, if it's a, if it's a fast food place, she tell you, but we're a block away. Think about what you want. Because when I pull up, I'm not going to sit there. I want uh, to hear that. I say, think about what y'all want. And when we get to the window, you better know what you're going to order. Or guess what daddy going to do? I'm going to keep going. But never fail. Somebody always says, I want, uh, right? Can't make a decision. I mean, imagine how God feels. If I feel like that with my three, imagine how God feels with his millions. You know, it, what, what do you want? Make a decision. Are y'all hearing me here today? Because you can't speak unless you decide. God. You can't speak unless you decide. So if I'm putting an order in, I can't order unless I make a decision. Uh, come on, you got to get this. I, I, they can't, I, I can't put an order in unless I know what I want. So he says, make a decision. Decide and decree a thing. And it, here, I love this part, and it shall be established for you. Man, that's good. See, if I, if I was in the right church, I'd be running right now, right now. But I'm going to calm down because, you know, y'all looking at me like, okay. I, I love it because we wrote that down, Faith. We tucked it in the Bible, and it was established for us. Gosh, you're doing too much work. You're working too hard. You, 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 you're trying to make this work yourself. And he says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. There's no way I can build this church. But once I decide and decree, it's going to be established for us. God, 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 come on, God's going to bring them in for us. God's going to build the teams for us. God's going to allow us to advance. He's going to establish it for us. Now let's look at this real quick, establish. I love this. There, there were several definitions I went to look at for establish. To found, institute, build, or bring into being on a firm or stable basis. Man. To install or settle in a position. To place it. To cause to be accepted or recognized. So before something, if something is not established, it is not recognized it is not placed in position. He says, so when you decide and you start decreeing and speaking the word of God, he says, it's established for you. Angels immediately begin to move on your behalf to make it recognizable to the earth. Man. So, so, so watch this. Before we came to RCC Philly, there was no RCC Philly. It did not exist. Before you started showing up, we've been confessing that before anybody ever came. We've been talking about growth and talking about who we are at Multicultural Church before anybody ever showed up. Watch this. Because when you decree a thing, you decide a decree, and it's being established, God takes your words and he finds room for it in the earth. God, you got to get this. 
He makes room for you in the earth when you start decreeing and declaring a thing. He places it there. He allows it to be accepted and recognized. Gosh. Well, well, well you don't know. I, 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 everybody in my family always been broke. That's nice. But if you made a decision and decree, you don't always have to be broke. And you decree it, God said, I'll establish it for you, and I'll force them to recognize and accept what you decree. Man, I didn't make this up. It's the word. I thought y'all would be a little bit more happy than that. Okay, look at this. I'm going to have to do cartwheels to get y'all excited in this place. The last two <laughs> definitions. To bring out permanently. God said, okay, when you allow me to establish it, I make your blessing permanent. It's not temporal. To enact, appoint, ordain, watch this, for passage as law to fix unalterably. Okay, do you see that? So when God establishes something in your life, he says, the enemy cannot alter what he establishes. Oh. The enemy cannot alter what he established. How did it get established? Because you made a decision. And when you made a decision, you spoke. And so I'm going to go back to our family and us. I have to use me for example because y'all don't like me to use you, so I'll use me. You know, when we decree a thing and decide it's established, watch this. Our words allow what God establishes for us so he can get the glory, right? I didn't establish nothing. Come on. Because if I had to decide, decree, and establish, I, I, I might as well be God. I mean, you just call me God. I mean, just, just give me everything, right? He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you get glory out of this. Shh, gosh. I just need your words to give me permission. Gosh, come on, come on. I'm almost there. I, I, I just need your words to give me permission. And once your words give me permission, then my power goes to work to establish. Woo! To establish what you built. And when I establish it, watch this, it is unalterable. The enemy can't mess it, mess with it. He can't. It didn't say he wouldn't try. The Bible says no weapon formed against me. It will be formed, but it can't prosper. He didn't say that the enemy wouldn't try. So he'll try to discourage you. He'll try to get you off track. But if you know who you are in God... Your faith is unalterable. Come on. Lisa, it's unalterable. What God has called you to do is unalterable. It cannot be altered. Now, this is not some deep biblical definition. This is out of the unabridged, because we all believe that born to the Bible. So this is, this, is, this is the unabridged definition of the word established, because the Bible, we think, is just always high pie in the sky. So for all the carnal people, this is real, right? Uh, uh, he says that when, when God establishes something, it is unalterable. So watch this. We got to keep speaking for our lives. Keep speaking for our children. Keep speaking for our futures. Keep speaking for our city. Keep speaking for our church. Because when we first got here, there was nothing established. But we made a decision. We made a decree. And he says, I'll establish it for you. Man, that's I mean, that's amazing. That, that principle for us, as, as I close, we have used for everything. Everything. Anybody that knows me on a one-on-one -on -one basis, they'll tell you, I'm, I may not know much, but I know the word works. Put pressure on that word. 
get into that word. That's why I'm always trying to encourage you. We're going to be doing things in the future to encourage you to read your Bible. Spend time in the word of God. The word works. Don't just open your Bible on Sunday and your Bible's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. You know, you, you know for most of us, you know, the Bible's like, you know, you, you go to a scripture and your Bible's like, hey, 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 I haven't seen you in a whole week. You know, don't, don't, don't have a relationship with your Bible. Come on. Buy some highlighters. Personalize it. Don't be scared. I don't want to mess with the pages. It's there to get messed up. It's supposed to be messed up. I mean, this is like the third time or second time my Bible's been rewrapped. Like, it wasn't as big when I brought it. But by the time it, I had different covers put on it, it got bigger and bigger because I, I got tape on my pages. I, I, we sent this out. A lady saw me preaching somewhere. I was in revival. She saw me preaching uh, 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 Jess, and she was like, now, the man of God can't be having a Bible looking like that. She took my Bible, sent it out overseas somewhere to get it redone so I can look decent, you know, when I go out and preach. <laughs> so you can't be preaching like that with your Bible all beat up like that. I mean, to me, I didn't care because it was like I, I, I worked my world. I mean, they got taped and did the, the edges all nice, ironed it out. But I was like, you know, I'm not getting rid of it because I, I highlight, I got notes in here when God was speaking to me when I was on fast and praying and believe God. You know, work your word. It works. I, newsflash, it works. It, it, it'll heal your body, deliver your mind, keep your marriage, keep your mind. It'll, it'll do all those things. Now watch this. I'm not saying that everything is perfect. But when things get hard, hide in the word. Gosh. All right, I was going to go on, but I'm going to stop because y'all are not ready for nothing else. All right. Hide in the word of God. Hide in the word. There's a hiding place. They used to sing that old song, in the word of God. There's a hiding place when you do that. So listen, I, I want you to be crazy about the Bible. I want this to be a word church. And if anybody comes here and try to preach anything else, you'll be like, oh, that ain't in the Bible because you know your word. I want you to love the Word of God. I want you to be passionate about the Word of God. Amen? I want you to decide and decree so that God can start establishing things in your life. Amen? Close your Bibles and jump to your feet quickly. Hallelujah. All right, so uh, listen, a couple of seconds, we're going we're gonna to decree some things and establish some things. And I love it because you don't have to do anything but decide and decree. I mean, that's, that's a great thing. And you got to stand on that word and know that God is faithful. You got to stand on that word and know that his word works. Some of you, you tried everything before you tried Jesus. <laughs> but I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the only answer. We used to have a 24-hour prayer line back in New York, which at one point I prayed God allow us to do it here in Philly. And we used to have a lady that used to answer the phone, and she would say, Jesus is the answer. And we used to laugh at her. <laughs> this lady, Jesus is the answer every time you call her. But man, yeah. you think about that. So many days we would, we would drive, and I was like, that's powerful. Jesus is the answer. Well, but to everything, I mean, whatever you're, you're facing, I don't have any other solution for you. All I can tell you is that Jesus is the answer. I mean, does it get any more simpler than that and greater than that and spectacular than that and bigger than that? That 
It sums down to one thing, not 18 steps, not 50 steps, come on, not a thousand things. It's one thing after all is summed up. I can condense this book, 66 books to one statement. Jesus is the answer. Whatever we believe in God for, whatever you're standing in faith for, whatever you want God to do. So today, I want to challenge you to imitate him. Jesus spoke. Things begin to manifest. The thing about speaking on a kingdom level. Some of you said, what are you talking about kingdom level? You got to read my book. I'm not trying to sell it. I'm just telling you, you got to read it. It's, it's the philosophy behind how I teach. Now Jesus came, he said, I come to introduce a kingdom. He said, I'm not here to do something crazy. He said, but my kingdom is not of this world. I mean, he spoke that. They thought he was crazy. The, the religious people wanted to kill him. He speaks of a kingdom. That must be nuts. But kingdom language always frustrates carnal people. Always. All the time. I was thinking yesterday, I was praying and studying last night, and about 1.30 in the morning, I was like, Ray, wake up, I got to tell you something. And she, she gets mad at me, she hates when I do that. But I got to get it out sometime, I just got to, you know, it's got to get it out. I says, why is it unacceptable for the church to talk kingdom, but the world can talk it? I said, think about it. Regardless what your political party, I don't care. We have a president that was before the one we have now that established a healthcare system. And now someone else in there is trying to replace a system. That's kingdom talk. Come on. But if the church talks about replacing a system, it's like, bring it down, son. Bring it down, bring it down, bring it down. You're going a little bit too high. Bring it down. See, Joseph had a dream, and Joseph saw something that his brothers could not comprehend because he was talking systems. Gosh. Couldn't digest it. Couldn't comprehend it. So they got mad at him and threw him in a pit, the Bible says in Genesis. David saw Goliath and said, I can take on this giant. Everybody around him said, what, what are you, you're crazy. What are you talking about? You're a child. You can't do this. Why? Because he was talking on a kingdom level, addressing a system. The church should not be thinking any less because if you're connected to the mind of God, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, there's no task too big. So if we talk about impacting a city for the kingdom of God, that's easy conversation for me. That doesn't mean that, that that's easy conversation. It has to be normal for us as kingdom people to talk about not just the bills. I believe in God, my car gonna start when I go out there. That's baby stuff. You'd be past the car starting now. Your conversation should be elevated to a place of kingdom conversation. Be an imitator of God. But the question is, are you hanging around kingdom people? If you're not hanging around kingdom people, no wonder why you can't talk kingdom talk. You got to change the crowd. Because there's certain people, and I talk kingdom talk, they don't flinch. They talk right back at me. They throw it back at me. I'm like, yeah, you kingdom. 
There's certain people I talk, Keelan talk, they, ah, that's a lot of work. Ooh. There you go. You're nervous because you try to do it in your own strength. And you don't understand. All you got to do is decide and decree, and he establishes. Come on. If, if, if I thought about winning a city in my own strength or just with y'all, I'd be in trouble. I'm being honest. I'd be in trouble. Right? But, but, but I know if I can kingdomize you and get the kingdom of God in your mind and in your spirit and make you a lover of Jesus Christ, we can take this city easily and quickly for the love of God. Because the only answer to the city is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I mean, come on, are y'all hearing this? He is the answer. I mean, when I'm walking down Broad Street and I see all those homeless people and mentally deranged people, I'm like, Jesus is the only answer. Medication can't do it, obviously. The government does not have the ability to do it. Jesus is the only Come on, do you believe that? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I need you to believe it. Because as we move forward, I need you to believe that Jesus is the answer. There's no other answer. So I just want you to lift those hands up and just begin to talk to Jesus. Begin to ask Jesus to come into your life like never before and invade your life. If you could just sing that song, my life, the first verse, my life I give into your hand, the song you were just singing.